Welcome to another episode from Wild Plunges podcast with me, Kim Gristy. This is podcast six in the series, We Remember the Relay 2021. This is becoming the largest charity event in 2021. And today's guest is Nick Hungerford, who is the coordinator for London. Welcome, Nick. Hello. Thank you, Kim. Yep, very pleased to be here. Excellent. Now I'm at work, so I'll say here, but I won't say I'm pleased to be at work because it's Monday in winter. But here we go. This is the more fun part of my day. Excellent. I'm glad you've been able to squeeze us in. Nick, can, can you tell us about your swimming? Because um, I know you came to it later in life. Yes, I'm um, very late, I would guess. I mean, if you 55, I started swimming. And it was really just because getting old and just pulling muscles and injuring myself running. So that was not an option. I used to play a lot of competitive golf when I lived in Canada. So... When, when I moved to London in 2008, that I decided that it was just going to be too difficult and I'd just take up the whole day to get outside of London and get back in. So I really didn't have a, a competitive sport. So I would just go to the gym or go running around the park because we live quite close to Hyde Park. And I'd always seen what I thought were these crazies that would get out of, and even in winter, stand around talking while it looked like a steam was coming off their body. And, and I always laughed at that. But then you know, fast forward a few years, I decided I would join the club and I joined at cold water in a September and with no thoughts of anything but just getting in and doing some exercise. So I would only go once a week and the water started off at 19 degrees. And I was sitting in the change room in November and the water had gone down to 10 at that point. And there was a, a lovely Scottish lady who's very important person that, that is the CEO of a, a series of hospices around the country and she was we chatted to each other each Sunday and and she said well I only started last year and I swam all the way through winter and I was flabbergasted so I thought how in the world because she doesn't have much meat on the bones and I thought how could you survive in the cold water so she basically shamed me into it so I went out and bought some booties and gloves and again just swimming once a week and got through the winter and when it got to March the biggest the big thing about the Serpentine Club is that it has races every Saturday which have handicaps attached to them so anyone can win from 80 to 18 male or female it's all about whether you've got a good handicap or not as to whether you can win generally and it's slightly competitive slightly fun and madcap and I really got involved in that and started doing the races so I ended up having a couple of swimming lessons with a, a guy at Canary Wharf, a guy called Ray Gibbs that has trained a lot of channel swimmers and he's a very well-known coach and it seemed like half the Serpentine, which is, has supposedly the largest English channel swimming fraternity anywhere in the world. And there is, I know at least 50 solo channel swimmers and seems like lots of them had had lessons from Ray Gibbs so I thought I'm going to go and have a couple of lessons because I had no clue I just used to get in and windmill my arms around because I was a very good runner as a as a tiny kid I thought it was all about kick hard and will your arms around I had no concept of what a catch or a pull was or what a, a stroke should be so after a few lessons I was able to improve sharply but then sort of the next winter there was a group of serpentine swimmers going up to the chill swim in Lake Windermere, the big chill swim run by Colin Hill. He was an ex-serpentine swimmer, so there was a lot of interest at Serpentine Club about that anyway. I figured I would have to ditch the booties and the gloves, and, and I trained myself for the what I thought was a long distance at that point, the 450-metre event. It was also 
a fancy dress fun relay with three women that were at the Serpentine. They needed a token male. I think that's why I got the invite, because you had to have a mixed team. So we had a lot of fun. I, I designed some costumes that were sort of themed about the, the rotten duck mite that get in the Serpentine at the start of end of spring and start of summer and munch you. So it was a, a duck mite themed costume with some really horrendous fearless fly masks and and we had a lot of fun and that was my first competitive winter event and I had so much fun there that I got hooked on it then and sort of did the next chill swim and then I set myself to swim the an ice kilometer which the event that I signed up for that was 2017 was up in Loch Lomond which was open water because usually a lot of these ice championships are in a if it's cold enough it's cut out of the ice and you have a 25 meter length some, you're allowed to have a 50-metre Lido, but um, most of them are sort of open water or cut out of a, a lake or a river around the world in cold climates, and it's just a 25-metre length. The premier event of the International Ice Swimming Association is the, the one-kilometre event. They call that an ice K if, it's, if you manage to do it, and it's under five degrees. So you then become a, a cold member of the IISA and then the next target after that is an ice mile. So I did the the ice K in Loch Lomond in really challenging wavy conditions on a on a nice cold day in Loch Lomond and there was 32 swimmers and I think there was 24 that finished but most of the people that had entered out of that 32 had already done an ice mile. So you know talking to people they said yes you could do an ice mile. So I then set myself for the next winter to do an ice mile. There was a, a really high profile one in Dublin run by Fergal Somerville. It's called the Eastern Bay Invitational. And it was held in a, a lock south of Dublin in the Wicklow Mountains. And I had contacted Fergal Somerville and said, I'm really interested in doing an ice mile. And I think he was being really polite because he really only wanted experienced swimmers there, so and he hadn't heard of me. So he politely said, oh, we've got a long waiting list this year. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'm going up to Glasgow the week after to do one with a friend of mine, the Thrilled to be Chilled Ice Mile event. And I said, right, I'll sign up for that one. Because I figured if I could impress him there, then I could maybe do the Dublin one the year after. So I signed up for that one, and that was in February 2018. And... That was very, very challenging swim because it was just over three degrees. But the, when we were halfway through our two half-mile loops, the, the weather started to change and the wind started to get up and it got a bit choppy and challenging. And I was right at the end of my tether when I finished. So very pleased to... I, w I will say climb out of the water, but I was. they had one of those sort of ropey, thick sort of wo woven mats in the water that you could you could walk out as a sort of a ramp because of, it was a bit rocky. So I got finished, tried to stand up, and my feet got tangled in the Even though you can barely feel your feet at the end of an ice mile, they're pretty numb. And I just did a face plant, and I tried to stand up again, face planted again. <laughs> and my <laughs> second a mate from the Serpentine and, and one of the other marshals there just hoiked me by the, by the arms and said, out, out you come. <laughs> Fortunately, the camp because you have to take a video of the start, the middle, and the finish to register it with the IOSA to get your ice mile ratified. And I'm really pleased to say I finished just behind Kath Pendleton, who she has great delight in saying I passed you in the last 
200 metres and she beat me by about 12 seconds. I'm, I'm so pleased that they cut out the video before my face plant. They just saw me finishing and standing. So that wouldn't have made for great viewing. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. First one. And then I did, then I did, I think I just wanted to keep doing those. So I, my wife is very, very tolerant of my swimming because it, it is just a hobby for me because, you know, work and family take a lot of time up. She said, right, you're allowed to do three events for the season. So I figured I don't want to do any summer events because I have so much fun. The community and everything about the winter events is so much fun. So I figured I will plot out my campaign each year with three winter events. So British Championship, the British Ice Championships was always going to be one. Two others would, would fit the bill. So the second year I did an ice mile up in Yorkshire with the swim your swim team they've done 90 ice miles in total and in fact there would have been more but the last two summers sorry the last two winters were almost like summers and the water never got below five degrees so they had lots and lots of people in britain that trained for ice miles and last year i managed to sneak one in at the serpentine just on that four-day cold snap around when the fish event was in about the third week of january and i got one done at serpentine but there was only five done in the whole of the UK last year, even though lots of people were, were trained and ready to, to make an attempt. It seems as though the last two winters we've had global warming kick in and it's been hard to to find cold water. Then we look at this year with COVID on and there's been plenty of opportunity to find cold water. It's just that we're not allowed to do them under the tier four conditions. So this year I was all trained up to go for my fourth and because we couldn't make any overseas trips and all the the winter galas were cancelled everywhere. I was going to try and attempt two or three ice miles this winter, but just with taking some holidays off from work before Christmas, I got lots of swimming in at the Serpentine. And by the first week of January, I was ready, just waiting for the, the water to get a little bit colder. And then we, we struck the, the the wave of disaster of COVID and, and we've gone into these tier four conditions. So I've sort of, my training has had to drop off now because just because I can't get access to the water. Um, I started cold showers about 10 days ago, which is just no fun at all. I'm up to about three minutes now. It's just not a substitute because my swimming fitness is dropping off. And they always say about an ice mile, it's sort of like a race to the death because you've got to, you've got to try and finish before your body gets too cold. And then the 10 or 15 minutes when you get out of the water after a long swim is the most dangerous time because your body temperature is going down what they call the after drop so you really do need some support and help or it's sensible to have support and help there that, that know you and well, why i was lucky to be able to do the ice mile at the certain time because it's not something they encourage but but the um the president of the club said well you've been doing this a lot and you do all your training here so we'll sort of turn a blind eye we're not going to encourage it and 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 when i finished you know they were all said congratulations but they put out a warning note on the group Facebook and the group email is in, don't try this at home, kids. I was very pleased to do one, but I, I, I keep wanting to do ice miles in different locations. I will continue this or I'll continue to train and hope to do it, but I probably won't be able to do one this year. So my focus is now turning to the, the relay. There's so much interest with this and we've got so many swimmers in London and I think the the timing is just perfect. We're all thoroughly sick of this pandemic and being caged up and there's going to be all this pent up. There's two things. We'll all have pent up energy to want to get out and do things. And, and secondly, everybody's got a, such a desire to thank the NHS and the frontline workers for what they've done. So the, this is a perfect timing to have this and to plan for it. What pl initial plans have you got around London uh, area? 
been putting out feelers to. I started off with the Serpentine, my club, and and the committee is is behind this. And what I'm loosely planning is we have a whole week where we just want people to register and and have any sort of participation and just get as many people involved because because it's a swimming club only the members can be involved in this one so we can't throw this one open to the public we will get a lot of involvement and whether people just do it as a target because they want to target a distance but it's not going to be competitive it's just about participation and, and raising money for the charity i've got some um, contact because we do swimming galas through the winter with uh, South London Swimming Club. I think that's another, that's another huge club of swimmers at Tooting Beck, and I'm pretty sure they'll be heavily involved as well. And, and then we've got Brockwell Lido. I haven't contacted them yet. I just sent something to West Reservoir. Because open water swimming has grown so strongly in the last couple of years, and West Reservoir has just exploded as a venue. I haven't actually swum there yet, but I was communicating with them from before Christmas because it was going to be a potential venue for Ice Mile. And, and I've just been, a few months ago, I was put on the board of the British Ice Swimming Association as a, as a treasurer. With the, all the growth in open water swimming, they've done so well there. And he's got a really good experienced team of lifeguards and a good sort of can-do attitude. I was going to go up there for a swim, you know, to just to scout it out for our possible ice mile attempt or even possible British Great Britain ice swimming championships in the future. So my contacts with him have been very positive so far. So hoping there's another good one. And my summer location for swimming, when the duck might start munching me to pieces in the serpentine, I swim a lot at the London Royal Docks, which you've already spoken to Sophie about that one. But I find that just a fantastic venue and really good team there of, of lifeguards and the people that manage it. So I think the Nauka venues will get involved as well because they've got a whole bunch of water lakes in the, the greater London area that have helped support the, the growth of swimming. I've had contacts with Simon Griffiths, and I know he's, he's a swimmer at the Teddington Masters Group, and they swim at the Teddington Pool, and we've got some people involved there. So it will con- once we get this website and running and registered, there's going to be a huge explosion of interest from swimming groups at pools as well as the, the open water stuff. But one thing I'm planning for a call it a hero type swim is a, an Oxford to Teddington relay. Simon Griffiths, the, the founder of the Outdoor Swimmer magazine, who put the, the article in in December that really kicked the growth off and the growth of interest from the swimming community on the, this relay, He's, his house is right by where a lot of open swim launching themselves in in this lockdown environment. So I figured it would be very fitting if we could finish a relay there and not just because of Simon and because of it's such a popular spot, but also once you get past the, the lock at Teddington, it's then in old English terms, Teddington means tide's end. So the, the Thames is t- Someone who's listening to this and thinks, you know what, I want to try open water swimming. It's something I've always wanted to do. What would be the top three tips you would give someone? Depends on how good a swimmer you are. If, if you're quite a, a good swimmer anyway, you can probably go open water swimming with just some advice from friends. But if, you, if you're a beginner, you, I would recommend you go to one of these managed venues where they have introductory courses and especially if you're talking about not in the heat of summer when the water will be at its warmest because 
the water generally just doesn't get, and certainly in the sea, it doesn't get that warm in the UK. You're going to be swimming in the sea. You've got, if you don't have any advice or friends that do it, you're much better off going and signing up at one of the managed venues where you can get, I would recommend a gradual approach, no matter where you're going, a good introduction. Spoke earlier on about, obviously, after the swim, those 15 minutes after the warm-up is essential, isn't it? It is. It, and certainly, I mean, I was talking there from the extreme when you're going at the extreme end, which is what I've sort of targeted when I'm training for Nice Mile. But even just regular dip, it's still very important to have yourself a routine to get yourself warm as quick as possible. Don't stand around because you can get caught out, especially as I noticed this year without our, little, our lovely pokey that we used to think it was damp and pokey change room, but we so missed it. When you're changing outdoors in the wind and the rain, then as we got to, you get to a cold snap when the, the air is close to zero or, and you've got a little bit of wind chill, you may as well be in the water for, for the temperature that your body is feeling. So you better get yourself out of your wet togs as quick as possible and have a routine because you, when, you've been, when you're swimming in water below five degrees and if you've been in there for a reasonable period of time, you will lose the dexterity and the feeling in your fingers. So it's not that it can be not that easy. If you're, if you're going to be precious and want to put a bra and knickers on and other things and zippers and deal with those, you haven't thought it out properly. So you've got, you've got to be less precious. Loose layers and, and get them on quickly. Get your, get your wet things off quick and get your warm things on as soon as possible and, and just try and get some warm liquid and food into you quickly. So there's, there's obviously a very good baking and cake cult and bicky culture to do with cold water swimming that's all part of the the social fun of it but you want to you want to start eating and drinking and the after drop effect as, as soon as you can because that's when it becomes dangerous i was just going to ask you what your beverage is after and what are you a cake or a biscuit man and what's your favorite oh i'll eat i'll eat all of them i do love i love cake and i love bickies but um and yorkshire tea with with a teaspoon of honey is my poison. And also I recommend a travel mug because I'm a good shiverer. And if you're trying to drink it out of the little, a little teacup or something that the little cup that goes off the end of the thermos, I would spill more than I would drink. So the travel mug, pretty spill proof. I find I can get warm liquid into myself pretty quickly and efficiently. So I warm and sweet. So don't have it so hot that you can't get it down in big gulps is, is my strategy. Also, Nick, have you got a top tip to how you stop your goggles from fogging up? Uh, I've got a couple of tips on that. To me, is really important because I found that swimming in the dark, it's even more disconcerting if your goggles fog up. I use a, an anti-fog spray. There's, I've been using one by Arena, but I also put my hands in the water beforehand and then before I put the goggles on, put my hands on my then cold hands on my eyeballs, try and get with my eyes shut just to try and get the skin there colder so there's not as much of a temperature difference between the temperature of the goggles and, the, and your skin. And I, felt, I find that helps on reducing the fog. So I, I find that very important because, again, swimming in, the, in really cold water and swimming if, it, if it's a little bit rough and windy, you get even more out of sorts if you get dizzy if you get knocked around by the water so i find having the goggles with with the best visibility possible 
very important. You talked earlier on about different locations in, I gather, the UK and potentially abroad you swim. What might those be? The only overseas one I've done so far, I went to the, I treated myself because I was going to be in the over 60s category. I sort of had one of those late life crises and, and said, I want to go to the world championships. So I went to Lake Bled this last February, last February was the first week of February. And there was a whole bunch from the UK going. There was a, a huge group with Pauline Barker from down in Plymouth. There was a, there wasn't as many from London. There was, I, I had a few friends that were going and, and then there was the people that I've met at the ice swimming championships in Britain. So it was a really social bunch. We had a fantastic week, drank way too much Slovenian wine and some after dinner drink that was like rocket fuel. I'm not sure exactly what that was, but it was a great week and some some really good swimming. And there was less less competition in the over 60s category in the long races. So I managed to sneak a bronze medal which was a bit of a funny story because there was Rory Fitzgerald and Scottish swimmer Brian Bain. They were by far the best in the world in, in the over-60s category. So I wasn't trying to compete with them. They just took off and did their thing when they got in the water. They whizzed off because they were racing each other. And there was about eight of us in another bunch that were the, was like the B grade. And it was beautiful, sunny weather in Slovenia, but the one thing they hadn't done right was they didn't put big boys in the water. So what you could you could see the first turning boy, but then as soon as you turned around, the, it was a triangular course, as soon as you turned the first around the first boy, you were blinded because the angle of the sun was low and it was so bright, I couldn't see a thing, even the kilometre race, and I was completely blinded. So I went to darker tinted goggles when for the 500 meter race or it might have been 450 meters and I still couldn't see a thing and I'd gone up to the boy point and tried to sight if there was anything up on the hill in trees that I could see and there was a house up there I thought right I'm going to focus on that for the 450 meter race and I turned around the boy I was in third place and Rory and Brian were I don't know how far ahead, probably 50 yards ahead, so I couldn't even see them. I wasn't worried about them. I was swimming in a group with about six. And we turned the boy, and I made a bad turn because I turned at not the right angle because I couldn't see where I was going. And the other five swimmers went to the inside of me, supposedly the right direction. So I had to then go and tack onto them again. And I was on the left-hand side of that bunch. And every time I sighted and tried to look for this house up in the hills or the boy, I couldn't see anything. I was, we were sort of swimming blind. So I ended up pushing this whole group of six off to the right-hand side. And by the time we got near the boy, I finally saw the boy. It was only about 20 yards away from me, but it was 30 yards, or sorry, 30 yards away, but it was sharp left. So it means that we'd swum way offline. So I was the closest to that boy. I'd pushed everyone else in the wrong direction. So I whizzed off, turned around the boy and managed to beat everyone home and won a bronze medal. So it was a, a bit of a blast to get a, uh, a medal at the World Championships because that was way above what I was expecting at the start of the week. What's on the uh, next dream list for swimming? I'd love to do the um, Ice Mile in Dublin that, that I originally tried to do a few years ago because I, I was set to do that the year after I'd done my first Ice Mile and I got the flu on the, the Wednesday of the and it was going to be on the Saturday and I was absolutely sick as a dog and, and had to pull out of that one and then last year 
was Slovenia. So I'm not already committed to that one. So I owe Fergal, Somerville and Ismail. So he's already set the date on it. So that's, that's my bucket list one, that and the British Championships. So I've only got one swim left after that. And there's, there's an Ismail event that they hold near Amsterdam. I might look at that one or there's events in Germany. So, you know, it's subject to traveling and COVID being a memory. I'll be aiming at one of at those events next year, I think, next winter. And the lock where I did my ice mile was Lock Bardawi, which was in the just outside of Glasgow in a place it's I would read it as saying Milne Garvey, but it's you're supposed to pronounce it Milgai. But it's that was a beautiful lock as well with a nice castle alongside it. You know, just spectacular. They really have some and I've got lots of swimmy friends in Glasgow and when they when I uh, look at all their pictures on the, the Wild West swimming group, it's spectacular. And it's right on their doorstep living in Glasgow. I mean half an hour and they're in the they're at Loch Lomond and then a whole bunch of other really nice locks only an hour away. Nick, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed your company today and your top tips have been awesome. Thanks ever so much for sharing. Uh, we look forward to following you and what's happening on the map and in London. So until next time, keep plunging. Thanks, Thanks Nick. Great. Thanks, Kim. And good luck with your cheese rolling. <laughs>